Welcome to Story Strumpets. Every episode we read a story and talk about what we think is working and what's not. very quickly. I'm Sharon. I am a dragon and a writer. I'm Erin. I'm an Aquarian and a unicorn. I'm Dunia. I'm Capricorn and an otter. Well, okay. I love you. All right, so today we have a story called The Doll and it's about two women who are flatmates and a doll. Did you, I mean, like, did you um, play with dolls when you were a kid? Never. Uh, I mean, I say never. I don't think, does Barbie count? No, Barbie's different. I had a Cabbage Patch doll, which is kind of how I'm imagining this yeah, doll. Yeah, it's like, the doll is a baby, pretty much, right? Yeah. When you're a kid, you have dolls that serve as Babies? Mine wasn't a baby. Mine was called Felicity Watermelon, and she would eat watermelon and then shoot the pips as bullets at people, and she was like a badass detective. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was never... But I never played babies. I was never attracted to dolls, but I was super into animals until I got my own real-life doll, mm. my brother. <laughs> when I was 10, I got a brother, and it was just like, it was so much fun. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have either. I didn't have those either. Like the changing the nappies, but I had a cabbage patch, and her name was Felicity too. What oh, is like, really? Yeah. Oh my she god! She was blonde with pigtails, yes. and she was yes, yes, blonde with Felicity. pigtails. Yeah, we both had dog. Felicity. Yeah. <laughs> Did you also have a watermelon thing? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, but I, I don't know, know. That was fun. That was. I was so excited about that doll. Yeah, let's listen to the story. Who's it by, Sharon? It's by Jillian May. Um, yeah. The Doll. Gina's roommate was called Viviana. Viviana, she had said when they first met, thrusting her full lips out into the world to form the final syllable of her name. That was just over two months ago. Since then, Viviana had driven Gina to the quivering edge of an abyss. This was a good thing, she decided. With each passing day, she felt nearer and nearer to an all-out free fall. One evening, Viviana brought home an old doll she'd found abandoned on the street. I felt sorry for it, she said, by way of explanation. It's sweet, answered Gina. It's absolutely hideous, said Viviana. Enthralled, she gazed at the doll, its pale porcelain head and limbs stiffly jagging from her fabric body, clothed in blue taffeta and stained lace. Let's keep it, said Gina. She hoped the suggestion would please Viviana. Hm, said Viviana. With a broad smile, she set the doll on the sofa. She swayed into her bedroom, humming a pop tune, and Gina... Watching her hips from behind, blinked in uncurbed admiration. Viviana was a creature of the night. Even when her roommate wasn't out late, 
Gina could hear her through the thin wall that separated their bedrooms, conversing in hushed tones on the phone or watching old film noirs on her laptop into the wee hours. It sometimes kept Gina awake, crazed, not with anger, but with possibilities. She saw herself creeping out into the hallway, knocking lightly on Viviana's door and joining her under the heavy duvet, where she would be enveloped in wordless verification. Each time she felt short of this goal and would eventually acquiesce to the zone of sleep, her daydream stolen by the night and mercifully out of her control. Gina found the doll in the morning. It sat, unblinking, propped up in a kitchen chair, a dessert plate and fork set in front of it. The doll's head reached just over the surface of the table. A napkin was tenderly tucked into its collar. Gina allowed a short laugh to escape her throat and quickly covered her mouth with her hand. A familiar feeling of uncertainty overcame her. She grabbed the doll and sunk down into the chair where it had been seated. Gina cradled the floppy body in her left arm and with her right hand pulled both of its eyelids shut. Absent-mindedly up, down, up, down, until an idea barged through her trance. Gina's eyes flew around the kitchen. Nothing suitable. The hallway seemed rife with possibility, brimming with coats, boots, and bags. Gina shoved the doll into the leather backpack that Viviana used nearly every day. She pulled the drawstrings closed, knotted them neatly, and hung the backpack back on one of the hooks. She couldn't erase the wide smile from her face as she envisioned her roommate encountering the doll. By evening, Gina had entirely forgotten about the prank. Viviana didn't show after work. Gina thought about sending her a text. Uh, hey, can you pick up some dish soap? Or, I'm making chicken, will you join? But no excuse sounded engaging enough. She went to bed without the pattering steps and the amused murmurs, the telltale signs of Viviana at home. The next morning, Viviana's door was closed. Amidst her ever-present dread of her roommate not coming home at night, this revelation filled Gina with the comfort of normalcy. She pulled open the shower curtain to find who else but the doll reclining back in the crook of the bathtub with a tiny sliver of old bar soap wedged in the space between its thumb and bound forefingers. Gina laughed in unstoppable surges. She does care. Only after a full minute of scorching water pounding against her back did the giggles abate. When she opened the door to the bathroom, wrapped in a towel, holding the doll, she collided head-on with Viviana. I set my alarm. I had to see her reaction, Viviana said, gleeful, plucking the doll from Gina's arm and at the same time brushing against her chest with her hand. A breeze of hope wove through Gina's insides. She looked down at her towel and laughed again, this time a different, uncomfortable sort of laugh. Ha <laughs> ha, touché, Viv. Gina never called her Viv. Viviana frowned slightly then tossed the doll back at Gina so that she had to swerve awkwardly to catch it with one hand while holding up her towel with the other. The game continued for days. Gina stuffed the doll in the crisper drawer in the refrigerator amid some old onions and sweet potatoes. 
Viviana responded by putting it in the flower box outside Gina's bedroom window, so that when she opened her curtain in the morning, the benign smile and wide green eyes of the doll greeted her. Gina screamed, and to her delight, Viviana came running into her bedroom, looking triumphant, without knocking first. Gina understood that in this round, hers was the real victory. When Gina, by some miracle of physics, managed to wedge the doll under the closed toilet seat cover, Viviana congratulated her solemnly, then proclaimed a subsequent ban on placing it anywhere near beds or pillows, out of sanitary reasons. Damn it! What have I done? thought Gina. That had been her next planned move. The two were like evenly matched chess players. But rather than pushing them into enemy camps, the duel was bringing them close, faster than Gina could have dreamed. When Viviana went away for a few days to visit her parents, the doll disappeared with her. Gina spent half the weekend pacing around the apartment, Viviana's bedroom included, thinking of new niches into which she could finagle the doll once she was back. Monday morning, Gina awoke to find Viviana's door closed. She went through her normal morning activities, savoring the fact that she would inevitably discover the doll. And if Viviana had done her job well, when it was least expected, it was like the secret joy that comes with watching an impending slaughter in a horror movie. Gina felt a twinge of impatience, not yet having found the doll. But she noticed it was getting late, and she would need to hurry to make it to work on time. It was downstairs, outside the apartment, when Gina saw it. The doll splayed out, face down on the sidewalk in front of her bicycle. What was this? Gina lifted it gingerly off the ground to find that its tiny porcelain knees and face were both smashed. The doll was disfigured beyond recognition, a deluge of. Hot tears formed behind her eyes, and she saw the broken pieces of porcelain grow blurry against the filthy sidewalk. She would have to kick Viviana out. There was no other way. No, that was the last thing she wanted. In frustration, Gina threw the doll into the bin beside the front stoop, and steeled herself before replacing the tin cover over top. Gina began to avoid Viviana. She left the apartment before her roommate awoke and returned to lock herself in her room at a time when she knew Viviana would not be home. They bumped into each other in the kitchen, and Viviana, wide-eyed, tried to strike up a conversation. Gina all but ignored her until she mumbled something about dry cleaning and ran out the door. One evening, Gina was drifting into sleep when she heard a soft knocking sound. At first, she thought she was imagining the sound, that it was emanating from a liminal place and not from her own bedroom door. When it became more insistent, she answered, "Yes." Viviana tiptoed into her bedroom. She sat down on the edge of Gina's bed, where she remained for a minute in silence. Gina held her breath, frozen. Before she could react, Viviana's legs were on top of the covers next to hers. Then she wriggled down and turned her body towards Gina's. Viviana's face was worried, yet open and without pretension, 
not unlike, Gina mused, the doll's expression. Gina, what happened to the doll? Don't you want to play any more? She blinked back at Viviana, and her heart soared. The End What do you think the story is about, Erin? For me, it's about that insecurity that you feel about how other people observe you. So this idea that we're all watching ourselves all the time and we think that how other people see us is how we see ourselves. Mm. And then you have these moments of realization where you realize that no one else is obsessing about you quite as much as you are. Well, I don't know about that. Because it seems like they're both obsessing about each other in the end, you know. Mm. It's like a budding romance. Definitely. Definitely a budding romance. I agree. But I agree that, like, in, at the start of every romance, be it mutual or not, you, you're thinking about what the other person is thinking, do they like you, but in this case, it's mutual. Yeah, I, I agree, but I, I just also think there's something of that element in which you, you do that self-talk, which is so negative, where you're like, mm, yeah. oh, maybe they're not seeing the same thing I'm seeing or feeling... Oh, God, I'm mental, I'm doing this thing, and she has no idea that I'm doing it. And then at the end, you find out, like, we were on the same wavelength, and all of that stress and all of that worry was for nothing, because actually we were right there together the whole time. Yeah, but she doesn't... I don't think she she spends that much time worrying. Hmm. Yeah, because, like, in in the second part of the story, it becomes more clear to her as well that this is... this is a promise. More than a possibility. When do you think she figures that out, though? Like, what point do you think that she she figures out that this game, this playfulness, is also romantic? Because for me, that romantic element, where she understands that that part of it is reciprocated and it's not just two people having fun together, only really comes in the last bit. I think it's actually after the shower. Mm. Um, it's the brushing of the hand against her breasts, it's the, I set the alarm. Mm. <laughs> Come on, who sets the alarm <laughs> to see if their roommate have a reaction? So, I think there's, as, especially because it sets off this whole game, this chess. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I agree with, with what you said, Erin, about like the story being about these two about how we obsess about things sometimes and we're just kind of going through this roller coaster of like, oh, they like me, they don't like me, they like me, they don't like me, and then you realize that maybe it's you doing it to yourself. Not really. You're trying to read this other person. You're just obsessed with reading this other person and it doesn't really... No matter what they do, you're analyzing every single tiny reaction that they have and depending on how you feel, that's where you're going to take that reaction. So I think that's what I liked about the story as well. She manages to bring out all of these moments really vividly and bring us into how this girl, Gina, is processing the whole thing. What do you guys think um, about the structure? I like the structure. I think the structure is really good. I mean, I think that there are that it works in these like waves, you know? It, goes, it starts kind of up. And then it goes down a little bit, and then it goes up again. And I think it seems pretty neat to me. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, I feel like there's definitely this roller coaster of emotion that it's very like those early stages of a relationship where mm-hmm. things are as yet undeclared. Mm-hmm. And I really like the way she's like, yes, she does care. And then it's kind of like, no, I'm going to have to kick her out. <laughs> you know, like it's really up and really down and <clears throat> everything hangs on these little moments of interaction that we're reading through Gina and that she's reading so much into, but we have no idea if Vivian's really reading the same kind of stuff into it. And um, it feels, yeah, very well structured to me. I feel like all the pieces fit together really nice. And then we get the reveal in the end where we can all go, oh, okay, we all, we're all talking the same story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think in a very short amount of time or space, she managed to, yeah, take us for a ride. Uh, that sounds sounds very familiar to, to everybody who's ever been in and love, I guess. Yeah. Obsessed with someone, especially if you're living with them. <laughs> yeah. Do we, can we move on to um, what we liked and what we didn't like about this story? Yeah, I love, I really like the introduction. I like the Viviana thing and the description of her thrusting her full lips out into the world to form the syllable. I thought as a beginning that worked really well for me. Um, I was a little bit, this is more of a gut feeling, but I also, I wanted to know what exactly quivering on the edge of an abyss meant. For some reason it wasn't really, I wasn't sure if that was a negative thing or a good thing, and then she says, oh, she decided it was a good thing. I I, I kind of agree with that, because I think that um, at that point, we still don't know that this Mm -hmm. is romance. And so there's all of those ways that your roommate can drive you to a quivering edge of something. And it could be fury. It could be despair, you know. And so I think that in this case, it's actually kind of lust. And we don't get that until later. But I didn't mind that reveal as we went on. I didn't mind it either. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like even though it's part of the story to reveal it later, I felt like there was something that I needed more in the beginning. I didn't want her to reveal it completely, but say something more about what it is that she was feeling. Like, was it excitement or um, maybe just a difference between something positive and something negative? But I thought about it a lot and I kept coming back and this, like the third time I read it, I'm like, it still seemed like I wanted something a little bit more detailed. So not exactly reveal how she feels, but whether it was negative or positive. And then also when she says humming a pop tune, I was like, well, I wanted to know what pop tune, what song is she listening to? Which is something that came up throughout the story. I wanted to have more specific details about these characters. What song was she singing? Which will tell me what kind of music she listens to. We get this... um, beautiful paragraph where she talks about Viviana as a creature of the night and hearing her through the walls, talking to her friends, and that's already very informative. You know, you get this image of Viviana being a social creature. She knows a lot of people, maybe. Whereas Gina seems to be more of a homebody, I think, I assume. Um, But I wanted tiny little details that gave us more... Who is she? Who is this yeah, like what kind of people are they? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, one of the things I really liked was that we get into Gina's head quite a lot, but I didn't feel that I got 
a really strong sense of who Viviana is beyond this object of obsession for Gina. Mm-hmm. And I like that paragraph a lot because it's one of the places where we stop and we look at her quite a lot and we, we get a little bit about Viviana's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have liked more of that like sense of physicality because I, I really like the way that we get into Gina's head. I mean, I really felt like... I totally understood her neuroses in this particular bit. Yeah, I think those moments are beautifully written. I think they're really these these little introspections, you know, how her brain works and how she lets herself be pulled into sleep after that. I thought it was really, really beautifully done. Same thing after, like, further down in the story when she says, amidst her ever-present dread of her roommate not coming home at night... This revelation filled Gina with the comfort of normalcy when she sees that Viviana's door is shut in the morning. You know, it's like this relief of like, oh, she's home. You know, like these little details I thought were, they were just great. I also liked the paragraph where, the one we talked about earlier, where Viviana just barges into the bathroom saying, I set my alarm, I had to see your reaction. Um, and then we go into like this, except, you know, like Gina gets super happy. But then when she says, haha, touche Viv, <laughs> and we see that like Gina never called her Viv, and Viv- Viviana forms, um, she frowns slightly. And I got this feeling of like, oh, we were doing so well, and now it's just like kind of going down. But I'm not sure. I read it as uncertainty, which is good. She still doesn't know, Gina still doesn't know what Viviana. 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 (laughs) We made a lot of trouble um, reading this name. I think the fact that Viviana uh, frowns puts a bit of a spanner in the works, you know? It's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's there. She's touching her boob and <laughs> she's giving her a doll and setting up the alarm to to see her reaction. But then she frowns when, when Gina calls her Viv, and I think that's actually genius because we don't, we don't want to reveal just yet. Yeah, it just kind of... Um, I I will say I love this, but I just found this last sentence in this paragraph a bit awkward. Viviana frowned slightly, then tossed it all back at Gina, so that she had to swear awkwardly to catch it with one hand when holding up her towel with the other. It's a bit of a mouthful. Um, I yeah. think it could be a, maybe just separated or uh, shortened something there. Yeah, I love the sentiment, but not the sentence. It could be two sentences easily. Then toss the doll back at Gina, full stop. She had to swerve awkwardly Mm -hmm. and catch it with one hand. I mean, easy to split it. But I I agree with you, Donya. I I loved this bit a lot because we go into this hope and, oh, yes, right, a breeze of hope wove through Gina's insides and then this awkwardness and we all know that moment where everything seems to go so well and then you just say the wrong thing exactly and you, can't, you yeah. can't take it back and you're just like fuck <laughs> yeah. fucking fucked it and i thought it was so well done yeah yeah i feel like that was one of my favorite paragraphs as well really liked it i have to say like for me the only 
the only criticism I have for this story, because I really liked it, um, I agree with you, Sharon, what you said about their dynamic, and especially the description of Vivian as a creature of the night, all these details that Gina picks up on, which I would more, I would like more of as well, worked really well. The ups and downs of the relationship, the budding romance, I loved, um, and especially the ending. I, I really liked the ending. I didn't see that coming. The broken doll actually meant something, but I love... The ending is actually telling us something else happened. And I'm not going to tell you this in this story. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. Yeah, we don't you know. You know, we, we don't know what the explanation is for the broken doll. But we don't need to know. I think it was very, very well done. The only criticism I have is sometimes... We get too much. There's some sentences that go too much inside Gina's mind and are a bit explainy. For example, in their little game, when Gina when Gina finds the doll uh, on their balcony, and then Vivian comes into the room triumphant, and then Gina understood that in this round hers was the real victory. I don't need that. I know that. Or even, like, in the shower when, when Gina thinks she does care. I don't think yeah. I, I needed that. Um, yeah. Or the two were, like, evenly matched chess players. That whole sentence. I, uh, yes, I know. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> obvious. Um, and then a little later, Gina became, began to avoid Vivienne. I don't need that either. I don't. I want to see that. I don't want you to tell me that. So it's this it's just little moments where it's too much of what Gina's thinking, where that could be replaced with more detail, as you said, Sharon, of um, their their personalities. Maybe. Yeah. I feel I, I totally agree with you with those sentences that you just mentioned because it's exactly those points when it really kind of takes you out of this like you're in her head and you're kind of flowing along and then you get this like narrator telling you and she felt this you know mm-hmm. and she thought this and and yeah I think you could definitely get rid of those and the story would just be great it, would, it doesn't need them at all because the other um, thing about those moments is they're not things that you genuinely think to yourself. Yeah, and so there's so exactly. clearly somebody else observing Gina's behavior and explaining to us what it was. Like, Gina began to avoid Vivian is not something Gina's feeling. She's not like, I'm going to avoid Vivian now. It's a much more organic process than that. And so it's very... Yeah, she explainer. left the apartment before her roommate awoke and returned mm-hmm. to lock herself in her room. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, and that tells you that she's avoiding her. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Without her thinking it consciously. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Going back to the whole doll thing, um, I was actually kind of, what's the word, confused about the doll. I don't know, like, yeah, because it did, did, like, I feel like the whole doll thing did, the first time I read it, like I said from the very beginning, you know, like, that that I needed a little bit more detail from the first paragraph to see what kind, what, what it was that she was feeling, and then you kind of get this feeling of, like, okay, it's a crush, 
But the disappearance of the doll and neither one knowing what happened to the doll and then this resemblance that the doll, this alluded resemblance to Viviana at the end left me kind of in this like, oh, that's creepy. You know, like there's a game play here. Either the doll jumped out the window by itself or like Viviana threw it out and then she doesn't remember or, you know, like there are all these different possibilities. Uh, which are fun to think of but by the end, but it does kind of... Mm, I feel like there should be something... I don't need to know exactly what happened to the doll. But the fact that the doll is outside on the street with a broken face uh, is, is quite big. I kind and... of imagined that Viviana had left it on Gina's bike. And and maybe because I'm a mum, so my bike always has a child seat on the back. Do they imagine a bike of, Yeah, didn't she go down? Or maybe I'm imagining that. Maybe I've really imagined that next whole to the bike, thing. Though. It's next to a bike, and I kind of imagine that it's been left on the bike and it's just fallen off. Well, see, this is exactly what I mean. Then I think that if she, I missed the whole bike thing because I was concentrated on the doll. If she said it's right next, she got up, she went to her bike and unlocked and. She, and you get the sense that this is her bike. It says her bicycle. Yeah, well, it needs to be clear. I think <laughs> if she made that a little bit more emphasized, because I read it several times in the bike, did I not. actually dig it, because if we read it as is, then something happened with the doll, and it doesn't matter. Viv put it on the bike, next to the bike. She did something benign with the doll, and... Now Gina is not talking to her and she actually has a crush on Gina and wants to have the game back. Mm-hmm. But you could read it differently where Vivian just takes the doll with her when, when she goes on the holiday. And there's a lot of time to think about what she can do with a doll and just puts it next to a bike. Hmm. And if so, if this is all an elaborate plan and, and, and she left the mangled doll for Gina to find, then it's way more sinister in the end, which again, I dig. Totally. Um, I, I don't... It makes me question what happened, but not to the point where I need to know. I mean, I definitely read it like that at first, that Vivian... Viviana had um, had this really black sense of humor and had staged a suicide for the doll. Like I <laughs> really definitely how yeah. how I read it as I was reading it through. I'm like, whoa, that's super dark. And yet, Gina's taken that as a rejection of her advances, and she's reading this stuff into it. And it's actually just that Viviana's got this black sense of humor. And then when I got to the ending, I'm like, oh no, she probably just left it on the bike and it broke. And so it was kind of sweet. But I liked that that double layer, and I liked mm-hmm. putting my own interpretation on it a lot. So I definitely don't want to know. Like I don't want the hint. I don't want her saying, "Do you know what happened to the doll? I left it on your bike. Yeah. Didn't you get yeah. it?" Like I, I love this. Just like, don't you want to play anymore? No, I don't want. I don't. I don't mind that. I think that's perfect. I don't want to know. I don't want her to say anything. But I want the bike to be emphasized more. Then mm. I want the. I want her to come down and the ritual around the bike to be longer, not just be a sentence. Because it's it says, the first time we hear about the exactly, bike as well. Because it went. Over my head, and I do not remember. I do not remember the bike at all, and I didn't see it as a possibility at all. 
Pour yourself some wine, Erin. Go ahead. <laughs> I think we've finished the bottle, Sharon. I know. I'm very proud of ourselves. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. No, I feel like the, the the kind of detail I want is definitely not at the end. I don't want to reveal. I don't want her to say, like, I put it here. You know, no. I, I love that. <laughs> But I want there to be, because if, if the bike is hers, then I want to know that the bike is hers. Otherwise, the only possibilities that run through my head are these, like, mad possibilities that, that what don't some really... What of your mad possibilities? Oh, well, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with, like, single white female. You know, like, I <laughs> <Yes>. seriously <laughs> see it this way. I am completely biased that I, I saw this whole story... I didn't think of it immediately, but I'm obviously affected by it because I grew up with that film. Me too. Uh, mm. So I kind of see it, you know, like, I'm like, oh my God, this is like the whole puppy incident, you know? It's like, <laughs> she threw it out the window! <laughs> <laughs> and then she just creeps into her bed, you know? Um, I, I I like the creepy understanding stuff. I do too, and I like the idea that we arrive at this ending with, oh, it wasn't creepy. Or was it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a fan of creepy. But that's why it leaves me with something as well. <clears throat> because there's this unanswered question, and I love that in a short story. Also, yeah, I mean, for me, if it didn't have the creepy factor, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. maybe these yeah. two girls. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, I like the whole creepy, and I actually like this doll, I like this alluded similarity between the, the doll and Viviana as well, because I thought that was really good. I wanted more... Just like details of the doll throughout, kind of mm. dispensed throughout the story. I agree, I, and I feel like the similarity between Gina uh, with Vivian and the mm-hmm. doll should be introduced earlier. Yes, than the very end. Yeah. yeah, if you want to bring it back as a punch in the end, yeah, it needs to be a double punch. Like yes. when she holds yes, this, yes, when she holds the doll up and say, "I found that it's hideous," and then Gina can think like, "Oh, but they actually look the same, or they have the same expression, you know, like big <laughs> yes. blue eyes and like full lips." And mm-hmm. I think those details for me would be really good. Like it would really enhance the story because it would make it even like. I know Gina finds it really funny and she finds this humor in finding it in the shower with the bar of soap, but there's also something just like beautifully creepy about dolls. Yes. They're such a great horror movie icon and everything. Like there's this lovely double layer to it where it's playful and funny and at the same time, like there's such a great horror image. The doll watching you in the shower. Doll watching you in the shower. Yes. <laughs> the creepiest image ever. It's like, I'm just taking a shower. <laughs> <laughs> the doll is watching me. I, mean, totally. I couldn't pee if the doll was watching me. That is great. Yeah. Sorry, Dunya. You were ready to give like a summary. final summary verdict. And we interrupted you. With verdict. The There's no doll. verdict. It's just that, um... <laughs> That was a good interruption. Well, so as a whole, I mean, I think we really like this story, right? I think in general, what it needs is just like a few enhancements, basically. You know, get Mm -hmm. rid of the over-explaining that we mentioned. And give us a little bit more character in the place of those words. Yeah. It's very short. So I feel like there's enough room to give us a little bit more of each of them in this very nice way she does. Where she shows us the interaction between the two of them. And she shows us that Viviana's out a lot more 
than Gina and, and Gina's fear is her not coming back and that sort of thing. So we do get these little character details in this very subtle way and we could get some different traits as well with just a few more words. This doesn't have to be a longer story, Mm-mm. but I would like it to be a bit longer. I mean, it's a real life talk now. It's a very bad idea. <laughs> what is a really bad idea? <laughs> have a roommate you're attracted to. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Imagine, like, living with a roommate. Who's who perving ha- on you. Who's perving on you, yeah. <laughs> has a crush on you. And you don't? Yeah. Who's <laughs> perving on you. Oh. <laughs> or you living with someone you're attracted to. And, like, this whole thing of listening to them and maybe they bring a girl or a guy or whatever. Like, Ooh, that would have been really interesting. Yeah. I kind of feel like the doll counteracts that because there's something <coughs> about this like innocence of the fact that they're playing with this doll that kind of takes the edge off that like horniness. I don't know. Like I just feel yeah, like something maybe. there like, like it's a tool to kind of like she's so caught up in these emotions and they're having such an innocent game and I feel like that's why she doesn't catch on for a while but this is actually Viviana's way of going well I'm into you too. It feels like you know explorers Exploring tribes they don't they don't understand. <laughs> yeah. And then finding an object or something to explain th- things like worlds with. Do you know what I mean? Like they. Yeah. You said explorer, and I'm just thinking Dora the Explorer now. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> because I'm thinking of dolls. <laughs> If you want us to workshop you, send us your previously unpublished short story, under 1,300 words, and we'll read it on our podcast. It's just like a short story workshop, but from the comfort of your own living room, or bathtub, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. We're not judging you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The story strumpets are Sharon Mertens, Erin O'Loughlin, and Dunia Madakovic. Our theme music was composed by the incredibly talented Tom Moore, whose art and music you can check out at tommoore.eu. Until next time, and go on, send us your stories. <laughs>